Hello, you were listening to Common Ride with me. This week we watched episode five, His Passionate Path of Manga, and episode six, I Want to Hear Your Voice of Common Rider Zero One. to Come and Ride With Me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, and I'm your expert. I'm James Baker, and I'm your newcomer. So how's it been, James? It's been pretty good, man. How about you? It's been all right, just like working a bit too much, but same old, same old. <laughs> same, man. I think I put in close to 40 hours last week, but at the same time, you know, no days off. Once I get home, I got to watch my anime, I got to watch my movies, got to keep working, man. No days off. What have you seen lately? Uh, I just watched Whiplash. Um, I think the guy was named Daniel something. It was starring J.K. Simmons. And he was freaking crazy in his movie. I did not expect this at all. Um, I went into it kind of blind. Uh, I read a quick synopsis about it. And uh, I was in. Uh, this is also a Blumhouse film. And I was surprised by that. And I absolutely love Blumhouse along with a24 and what they're doing but uh it was an amazing film if you guys haven't seen that you should definitely check it out um and anime wise i just picked up uh vinland saga and it's okay. so freaking good man like i thought i already had my list for best animated year set but uh this is definitely in the top three for sure i don't know where i'm gonna rank it yet but it's an amazing anime if you haven't haven't seen it yet i've heard like something about that what's like the quick like summary of like what the, what it's about uh, it takes place around, say, the early 1800s, and uh, it starts off following a small tribe or a small village, um, kind of isolated from everything near Iceland, and uh, you know, just living their every- everyday lives. And uh, pretty much the leader of the community uh, used to be a legendary warrior, and uh, it's the whole trope of uh, we need you to co- get called up for duty, <laughs> and he refuses to go, and. Uh, they pretty much persuade him into going or else. And without really spoiling anything, it's an amazing, amazing anime. And it's, uh, I would say it's pretty much like Game of Thrones if it was an anime. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really enjoying it right now. I think I'm on episode 11 or something like that. But uh, it's starting to pick up a lot of speed right now. And it's pretty early in the stage. And, it's, and uh, I think Amazon picked it up. It's that good. Uh, I believe the Amazon version may be subbed. But I mean, uh, dubbed, but uh, I'm watching it in sub. All right. Um, so like, what's the tone of that? Is that like a like shonen show? Is that slightly more adult or is it, is it like a comedy? Uh, I believe the correct genre for it is uh, shonen, but it's also, also uh, history. Um, so I believe a lot of the things that they're doing is along the lines of what really happened uh, with uh, Denmark trying to invade England. And uh all those battles that were going on over there. So it's very, very uh, interesting. Not sure how accurate it is. So I wouldn't say it's super educational, but uh, uh, it's very, very fun to watch. I mean, all the way into it. What have you been watching, man? I've been watching My Hero Academia season four so far. Uh, that first episode just came out. Have you seen that? Yeah, man. I thought it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
it's a great reintroduction to our favorite characters and uh it was a cool recap too did you did you like it uh yeah like it was like a pretty strong for like what's basically filler um like i'm caught up with um the manga right now and the show so like i was interested because it's like a weird thing where both the shows starting a pretty major arc and it seems like they're also going there like in the manga um have you um like show only kind of fan or no i decided like if i'm really invested into anime i try to stay away from the manga but sometimes it just takes so long for you know arcs to come out but uh my hero academia is one that i've stayed away from the manga but i've been hearing a lot of rumors that this is the season where things start to get more like high stakey and uh i'm really excited about this season and i'm i've been waiting for season four since the beginning it's definitely like a season where there's not like as many safeguards for the characters, which is like really interesting. It like does a really good job at just letting them be in the world a bit more directly because outside of a few moments, there's always been somebody there for them. So it's like a like very interesting kind of like part of their like coming of age story to be involved in some real stuff without there being somebody there that can just kind of take it away from them. Yeah, that's been a lot of uh, or one of the biggest complaints that I've heard about people that don't watch My Hero. They're just saying it's like there's no stakes. There's nothing really happening or uh, they never really feel like the characters are really in danger. But uh, I think this is the season that people are going to start watching it more closely. Last year, do you watch that movie that came out or no? No, that's one thing that I need to go back and do. Um, A lot of the anime that I do follow, I don't really watch the the movies. Uh, There's no really... Uh, there's not really an explanation to why I don't watch them, uh, but it's just something that I've never got around to. But um, I'm starting to run out of things to watch, so I may go <laughs> back and watch it. Was uh, was it good? Uh, yeah, and they're doing a pretty good job. Um, I'm caught up with the show and the manga, and the movie is like a weird. You know how like back in the day, if like you were watching like a Dragon Ball or like Naruto movie just some wild stuff would happen and it wouldn't be like anything close to canon. They're trying yeah. to keep it a little closer to what could happen. There's some like semi-canon kind of stuff going on. And too, like with the um, like spinoff like manga, um, My Hero Academia, like Vigilantes, which is like a much like lower power, much more like what happens when you don't have the best power, what happens when you're not a trained hero, but you're still fighting crime kind of thing. They're doing oh, a lot that's of cool awesome. stuff. They just kind of like in that like the main character like his quirk instead of being super powerful is that he can like slide on surfaces about as fast as like a bicycle oh that's amazing and like a lot of the threats he faces are much more like grounded and it's like oh like it's much more of like a friendly neighborhood kind of thing than like a superman kind of thing that you see in um the main show i am sold is this the only uh film that my hero has there's a second movie coming out. What I was just talking about was actually the like spinoff like manga, which hasn't been animated at all, um, which okay. is Vigilantes. The movie is like a school trip to an island to meet All Might's old sidekick kind of thing or partner. It, it's all right. Um, I couldn't. That was something where I was like trying last year to get my girlfriend to share with like some shows with me. It didn't work for my hero. And like seeing that movie, it did work for Dragon Ball and seeing the Brawley movie. That was mm-hmm. just really good. That like really got her into it. And we actually just finished uh, the Frieza saga, which seeing the end of that for the first time was interesting because she was complaining uh, towards the end. Oh, it's taking so long, this fight. And I was like, <laughs> I, I went to school. I watched this 
10 miles backwards in heels and snow like in <laughs> like i like like to give you like a like um like we were on episode 52 was the last episode of the frieza saga so we like did raditz we did vegeta we did namek we did Ginyu force we did frieza in 52 episodes mm-hmm. i feel like there were that many episodes of just like frieza and goku like fighting yeah day. man can you imagine watching that like day to day or week to week that's mm-hmm. like torture but a quick binge is it's a lot easier to digest but yeah man i was one of those kids that were like getting home from school and first thing i watch is dragon ball z i remember those days something else that was actually uh really successful in making a shared passion was um like wrestling um hmm. have you followed much professional wrestling or no I used to be like really, really into it when I was in high school, but uh, as of late, um, I think I tuned into like uh, not this past WrestleMania, but the one before, and I had no idea who the characters were. But I did pick a character to root for, and he actually won. So I was like, "Oh shit, I know how to pick him." Who'd you um, pick? Uh, it was some kind of like ninja guy. He was like a martial <laughs> artist. Uh, he okay. won. He won the Royal Rumble. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't know who the wrestler is. Um, okay. We got into WWE for a little bit. After WrestleMania, we kind of like petered off though. And like it, like um, what she likes is kind of like the soap opera, like more elements. But then with AEW, that starting up, um, we got really into that like over the past year because there's a lot less like things to have issue with. There's a lot less, um, they just have like a, more diverse stable you get the sense that like people feel more respected they have like more say in how they're written and um we actually got like really into uh the Rhodes family she loves the roses um mm-hmm. like it, and like which is great because like uh they're in all lately it, it seems like every time like i like come home i'm just hearing like the cody Rhodes like like um like entrance music <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> that's cool it's been a great thing to just kind of have something that's like kind of mindless. Like you can see people like performing as great athletes, but also just like there's like enough story there, but also you can just turn off. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, Last week I actually mentioned that uh, we might look at some, um, some parts of the fandom for Kamen Rider. So I have a couple select pieces of like what amounts to memes basically. I thought we could like take a short look at that really quick. Let's do it. So first up, we have um, a uh, a like picture of um, <laughs> from Tokusatsu News Network or uh, at TNN underscore Malaysia on Twitter of a um, Kamen Rider Zero One <laughs> skating <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty awesome. Because um, how would you describe it? <laughs> Uh, this took me back, man. Um, besides the PS4 logo at the top, I was a huge Tony Hawk Pro Skater fan. Uh, so I like the concept, and uh, I love when uh, Aruto does the drop kick on on the haters. <laughs> so it fits. I love it because it looks just enough like he's like kick flipping that they can go like, okay, and like mm-hmm. put that, that skateboard very creative. there. I'm gonna give that a like and a retweet. And then we have um, like this one, which is by. Um, KO underscore second, which is just like a like joke on the fact that um with Fua, he's always like ripping open like <laughs> his key and everything. And yeah. It it shows him kind of um 
just exploding open this like bottle of soda, like instead of like slowly opening it like a human being. Will we ever figure out why he takes so long to open his progress key? <laughs> Will we ever figure it out? I know there's rumors going around, but we talked before that like he didn't realize he had to put it in the belt to make it work. So I don't know. Um, this next one like is a video. I only want you to see the first like 30 odd seconds of it, but it's actually the actor that plays Fua. Um, just kind of he also YouTubes. Um, and this is kind of his reaction to like some memes going on about him. <laughs> oh man, we got to link the listeners to this. This is hilarious. Uh, yeah, like I'll have like um <laughs> these all in the show notes as well. Oh, and he wrote the bag of chips. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it showed him being upset um, and just like ripping open a bag of chips. Like, is even watching his character. Oh, shit. I love this guy now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, he like, like, there's like lots of let's plays too. He's great. Wow. I had yeah. no idea he wasn't as serious in real life as he is on the show. <laughs> and like, yeah, like, like um, those jokes were mostly based off just the fact that whenever he's like just like try and transform he can't figure out how to like do it without like forcing his key open and the last one takes a little bit more um understanding but i think i've mentioned that christmas time is usually like a death knell in the common <laughs> rider fandom oh why is that uh there's been a couple of series um n- notably at least one of them where the head writer here was also a writer there um where they've kind of been like, oh, it's around like the first quarter of like the show being done. They'll do like a cool, here's like everyone hanging out in Christmas hats and then just a brutal murder. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm glad you warned me about that. That would have caught me off guard. Uh, there's no reason to think it's going to happen here. Just people okay. are like, um, the character of like Izu, she's not a writer. So people are like, oh, maybe she's going to just be killed for christmas <laughs> as our present but no um just it's like a more of a meme in the community that something bad happens on the holiday i don't think you shouldn't expect it to just of the jokes i saw most of them were jokes to the effect of um oh she's probably gonna die <laughs> okay but um i don't think there's any reason to suspect that based off the actual show yeah it doesn't have that tone as of as of yet but we still got a whole month to get through <laughs> two months actually speaking of that we should uh transition over to our recap part and um let's talk about common rider zero one episode five his passionate path of manga so uh first just like what are some general thoughts that you had in this episode um i really enjoyed the uh the storyline in this one uh like we talked about at the top of the show uh, we're both fans of anime, so I thought it was really interesting to see uh, that this um, followed a manga artist. And uh, I like the the meaning behind it as far as like abusing uh, your human gear, because uh, this is another thing that I could see po- potentially happening in real life whenever we start getting more dependent on our devices or, our, you know, uh, maybe eventually robots in our home. Um, I think it will actually make us lazy. And I love that uh, Aruto's uh, grandfather uh, had that in the little terms of agreement or whatever it was called, that uh, if a human gear ever takes away somebody's passion or makes them lazy, that uh, they shouldn't own one again. And uh, everything about this episode, I really enjoyed. 
And uh, I guess we'll get more in depth about the recap. But uh, as far as my thoughts about this episode, it was pretty amazing. How about you? What do you think about it? Uh, yeah, like I really like to see them continuing to look at what the intersection of like people and machines are and um, how they are going. Yes, they can do labor. And yes, they can even kind of sort of evolve their own preferences and ideas and emotions. That does not mean that we should let um, that stop us from um, like having our creative drive, from having our passions, from having things that even if we can't match the productivity, what we can do is we can match um, or like exceed in different areas. Like it's how like um, you see stores like Etsy that are like popping up around the same time that Amazon is like, that's like an issue that we have right now with like other parts of the world that I'm sure will get exacerbated with the like advances in like robotics. And uh, we start this episode with um, them actually carting a big box with a human gear in it. to um the bengaka ishizumi who is uh the like creator of a shonen anime called um perfume man tesarugi which is like a dog that has a, a like sense of smell and is like some kind of samurai i think i liked um just how they they showed them just bringing a box with, with the person in it to this guy's office <laughs> and um they had that conversation just basically oh like you make this like beloved show I love it. I love the anime like every day because I'm like for Aruto, he's a big stan, right? Yeah, he was definitely me if I ever meet the guy that wrote uh, (laughs) My Hero or uh, Demon Slayer. (laughs) I would definitely geek out. (laughs) And then like um, pretty soon we see um, just one of these like human gears just collapse from overwork, which I think is an interesting thing to do, which I'm not sure if we'd even see in like a like if the take was on just like labor itself, like it's much more about like, like I'm not sure if you'd see like this much in like a story that's about like when the focus is economic, they're showing here, like it's a major like problem, like in Japan, like burnout culture. And there's like massive like reform happening and there's like conversations going on to try and fix this. Um, It's more complicated than I can really know with somebody who doesn't live there, but um, to see them show, okay, here's somebody being worked so hard. It goes towards the idea that they're not tools. They are beings. They have needs and just to have them so callously kind of thrown aside. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm starting to look forward to in these episodes after talking to you about what's really going on, going on in Japan is that a lot of these episodes are actually like social commentary pieces about things that are actually affecting people in Japan. And uh, not only did this Humagiri get worked to basically burn out his battery, but uh, Ishizumi proceeded to pick it up and smack it. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the point when uh, Ruto was like, what is going on? Like, um, he didn't really have that reaction once the uh, Humagiri burnt out. He kind of like, oh, it gave out. But once, you know, you proceed to pick it up and just smack it, um, that's when he kind of like voiced his opinions about the mistreatment of Humagiris. And like I keep saying, man, like, um, the Will Smith movie that came out a couple of years ago, I Robot. Um, I believe the robot in that movie uh, was supposed, I think it was like cleaning a room. And then the guy came home mad from work or something like that and just started abusing the robot. And the robot just attacked back. I mean, eventually in society, we're going to start making these androids that are super intelligent and they're going to start slowly figuring out what's right from wrong. And if we're already abusing each other, 
as human beings. Imagine when we get something in our household behind closed, behind closed doors and, you know, like you come home from work and you have a bad attitude, you might just take it out on the device that's home. Uh, prime example, when you're ever playing a video game, you get frustrated, you throw the contr- control at the TV. So, I mean, this is some stuff that could possibly happen in the future. So I'm glad they're like, you know, educating the youth uh, as well as fans of, you know, how to treat uh, a human gear or a robot. I think too, that like, there's like a, just kind of um, almost clash consciousness going on where let's face it. There are people like, when we aren't seeing them in like certain jobs, like a lot of the jobs we're seeing are jobs that uh, we don't see as like skilled labor. Some nurses, we see um, some people that are like custodians, but a lot of the people that we are, um, these roles that they are inhabiting, like custodians, like security guards, are ones that we do tend to see as like kind of like nameless and faceless. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing to say, hey, um, already, you might look at whoever is moving the boxes in your warehouse and think of that as somebody you don't need to worry about or treat with human compassion or care about their conditions. Um, so what we get to next um, is uh, we have Jin show up with his gun pointed out to take shots. And um, he um, puts a belt onto G-Pen. Yeah. And then g-pen becomes a um weird drill looking thing right yeah it kind of remind me of uh the pokemon sandrew <laughs> with all the drills everywhere and so far i think every everyone we've seen has has been based off an extinct animal and i'm not sure what this one was but like it like maybe some kind of like nautilus maybe i'm not sure but uh they're fighting and um Jin had gotten permission to take the progress keys from Aruto. But he's trying to steal them because he wants to be like a writer too at this point. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting because I don't know why, but I, I thought they already had the ability to turn into uh, to writers. But um, once I saw that, I was kind of like, okay, let's go. I think that um, they have different names. There's Progrise Keys, then there's like Zetsuma Rise Keys, and that's their distinction. Yeah. And another one's like Extensions Key, right? Like Extension. Oh, yeah. Like instead of being authorized, they're extinction rise or extinguished. Mm-hmm. And there's a fight here. Uh, we get to see the new um, the new weapon, which is a shotgun briefcase. Just kind of cool looking. Yeah, it is super huge. <laughs> it knocks them back and everything. And then the um, the Magir gets away. And then we get this conversation between Aruto and the company. So between... Aruto Ishizumi and the company uh, about um, why he's not going to replace these human gears. And it seems to be um, the conversation is, uh, oh, you're misusing them. And also, like, you don't have passion. Your work is better when you're passionate about it. At this point, we get the conversation of, like, um, what passion is between Aruto and, like, Izu. And he describes it as, like, burning bright. And she's kind of trying to figure out, well, what is it? It's not very easily defined. It's not in the terms of service. Um, and then she gets that memory with his, um, like his grandfather. And what do you think on that scene with the grandfather's like hologram? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, um, the message that he said about, you know, in, in the terms of endearment about uh, once a human loses passion, 
they don't deserve a human gear. So I was actually surprised to see him pop up, to be honest. But it was it was a good message and a good timing for him to pop up. It's the kind of thing where I'm not sure if they got somebody who was a very well-known actor for a one-off or if he's going to just be like a recurring character every three or four episodes when they need to have a moment with an old video. Yeah. Um, you mean like, do we, are we going to see him in like episode 50? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Like how often yeah. he shows up. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of odd. Cause we also saw the flashback of his, I guess it was his father, which was kind of weird. He was like, Oh, I had a human gear protect me too. So I was kind of like, what the fuck? But, uh, I don't know if you thought that was weird. And they're uh, both in the opening too, which as um, I'm pretty sure we've only seen the dad in versions of the one scene with the explosion that might be ver- that might be during like daybreak. But um, I do think that um, they're definitely going to show up more. We still really don't know what the like what the link between Arto, his grandfather and his dad is. We think his grandfather's human. So while we're here. So while we're here, let's discuss this real quick. So during the anime. When he was saying that uh uh gear protected him too, and it showed his father in the flashback. Is this kind of like the situation that happened in episode six when they kind of like recreated his real father into a humagear? Or or I don't know what happened. Like I'm kind of confused about that. Okay. Um or did you take it as it was his father and he had a humagear? I don't directly know. They've given us some clues that people didn't know about Aruto. Uh, and like we mentioned how his name sounds kind of similar or is written kind of similar to the word alternate. So I really don't know if I think we're supposed to assume because um, the grandfather Kornosuke was involved in making the human gear that he at least originally was human. <laughs> I think yeah. we're supposed to believe that. What I'm taking for, we talked about it in the last episode as far as like the opening and how they show the grandfather, the father and the son. And with issues that take place in episode six, which we'll get to when we get there after this recap, I'm starting to think that uh, I'm starting to buy into the theory that Ruto is a uh, human gear because the issues that take place in episode six um, kind of re- reflect on what could possibly be like a theory that's going on. but. With that being said, let's just let's just get to the recap and we'll get there when we get there. I just wanted to bring it up while we we're there. Then let's um like break through the barrier a bit. Um like there's some parts of like episode six where they talk about um Jin and Hirobu. At the end of this episode, Hirobi calls Jin his son. So we get the like idea um that there is a relationship between there is a f- a like family relationship between the, these two antagonists. And it kind of comes into conflict with um, that later human gear who is based off the daughter in the next episode of the um, like older man. I think there's evidence to suggest that that um, for Aruto's dad, that that was either the original him or that was the replacement of him. I'm not really sure. But also, we are seeing human gears that are more human, that don't have the blue blood, that don't have the like weird ears. So I don't know if that means that Aruto is some kind of prototype or some kind of model that is more human or even just organic, like but has like a human gear mind. 
Yeah, he may be the peak of the human gears, like the ultimate form of it. I'm not sure. Um, we should talk more on that once we get into like the more messy details. Episode six, you're right. Um, but um, at this point, they're making a, a like new key to counter this human gear because they noticed that it got um, hurt by the heat of the shotgun. And they go to the mansion of um, they go to the mansion of Ichizumi uh, to ask forgiveness for his replacements being late when Izu comes in and says she canceled it because passion's more important. Um, and then we get kind of a new fight scene, but in the moment um, he defends his old like manga pens. And at that point they kind of say, you care about this. We'll keep fighting, but don't pretend that you don't care about this. Then Fua shows up to help out. He figured out how to handle the shotgun by going into gorilla form. And it's cool. And like we get this uh whole scene where like um Ishizumi, he's starting to uh to draw what he's seeing in the fight. And then we get uh the new form for Aruto. Now what do you think about this form, Flaming Tiger? Uh I love this. This is my favorite one so far. Um I was okay with the the biting shark, but uh the flaming tiger, it was super cool. Um his attacks were on point. Uh, I love his finisher, and uh, he seemed a little bit faster with this one. Um, I hope this one stays around for a while. Initially, I thought this one seemed kind of extraneous. Like, it kind of seemed like, okay, like you have one form that's like for cutting and for water. You have a flying form. This form's hot tigers? I'm not sure. But then when I saw um, the, like, ports he had on his hands to do the cool, like, um, more flame attacks... I was like, okay, this is actually a cool, like, in the way it fights and its utility form. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things that happens actually is uh, we get like Fua laughing <laughs> at um, how hot his jokes are, which is the first like true admission we have that the reason he's like tearing up around like Aruto is because he likes his jokes, which I thought was kind of like fun to get here. And then um, that fight scene was really cool with the. Um, where they added like those panels and the and that shading. Yeah, I thought it was really cool too. They're able to defeat uh, the monster and um they find out the next day um that Ishizumi he was able to uh work on his manga by himself with less help and he's added a new character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that thing was really funny like uh to the manga because um at, at that point like uh we get the like really great moment where aruto's like it's not based off me man at that point i was just happy that he finally got his passion back he seemed like i don't know what happened to him they really really didn't get a backstory of why he lost his passion he seemed like he just got burnt out and uh he found an easy way out to uh still make anime and make money off of it but uh not really invest as much time into it but uh it was cool to see him you know, watching Flame and Tiger and uh, Vicaria uh, go go at it, and uh, when Vulcan showed up, he's like, "Oh, like you know, keep animating and all that stuff right next to Izu." But uh, it was cool to see him get his passion back, and I love that uh, the uh, that he added Vulcan in there, and uh, Aruto was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I love the reactions uh, in this uh, show. Uh, yeah, and at first it was kind of like too much i think especially for like aruto but i think he's definitely like growing on me as a character yeah same here 
and it probably helps that he has a really strong cast around him, like that he can just kind of be not the best character, but still kind of like be consistent because he's not really changing his views that much. He still thinks a human gear deserves to be treated with respect. They have souls, blah, blah, blah. And he's not really like going to change drastically on that course. So it's like good that they're still making him be in like interesting like situations and dilemmas. Mm-hmm. In Daybreak Town, uh, oh, we talked like a little bit about this, but um, Jin is talking about how he wants to have like his own like progress key um, and wants to know, hey, like, who am I to you? To um, Hirobi. And that's when he says, I'm his, um, like, you're my son. Yeah, that was a shocker. Yeah, I couldn't tell because we were having some conversations about Hirobi's age because he's a common writer 12 years ago, but he's also like 19 now, like, for Jin, it is his son. Like, what do you think when you finish the episode about this kind of little bit here? Um, I took a second to actually process their encounters, and he never really gave off like a father figure type relationship. But um, during episode six, he's kind of like, if you could defend your own, there's no point in me helping you out. But uh, yeah, I was kind of, I thought that he was a uh, a Magir as well. But uh, we find out that uh, he just created Jin. Um, so that kind of made sense that he really didn't feel affection to him because um, that fits along the storyline. Like you could either appreciate the human gears or Ma gears, or you could just use them as tools. And he's pretty much using Jin as a tool at this point. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be like the main kind of point of contention with like a lot of people seem to hold that view. And it will be interesting to me. I'm not sure what Hirobi is, what his origin is. Um, if he is somebody who um, is very invested, like why is he so invested in this whole like let's let's have this major robot like uprising and take over humanity if he's implying he is human i want to know what that kind of what that motivation comes from yeah i can't really get a good read on that either uh he was kind of like vague about i created you um and pretty much i don't give a shit about you because you you can uh hold you can uh defend yourself just give me my progress keys (laughs) and that brings us to episode six actually uh which is uh called I want to hear your voice continuing kind of the rough arc of um, this in the show, like anime. And if you saw actually in episode five, we saw these characters of, um, of, of like Cien and her father. Cause in the beginning, when they're talking about building your own human gear, um, you see him looking at the options and like paying to customize the human gear. Um, and then there's a moment where they're in the like recording studio um, and you see him walking in with her. So th- this like actually works as a good little like mini arc, too. Yeah, these, this could have been one complete episode. So um, main thing here is that um, you have this um, man in his like 50s or 60s um, and he has a human gear that is working as a like voice actors and it's like a newish thing people are reacting to it but then like immediately we get the um well what do you think about why foo was there uh well i believe he mentioned that he was kind of like checking on uh a suspicion that they had that 
uh, Sine was a uh, illegal humagear, and uh, apparently, a way to be a illegal humagear is to replicate um, someone that was living or is still living. And uh, fool was just doing some, you know, typical aim stuff and just trying to check on the scoop. And uh, he found some clues and he realized that this chick is actually a replica of Mr. Tawanza's uh, now deceased daughter. So he basically customized a human gear to look just like his daughter that is now dead and to pursue her same passion and to, you know, being a star. And her first big gig was to try to get, you know, this role in this anime. And uh, once he got busted, he was like, oh, oh, it's not what you think. <laughs> but uh, that's another issue that um, is very interesting because I could see this happening in real life. Uh, once again, um, it's kind of like, where do you draw the line into um, making something that is lifelike um, and kind of like blurring the lines between somebody's mortality? Um, like um one of my favorite black mirror episodes um this chick's husband husband died and all she had was a collection of text messages um and just stuff from his phone and she was able to clone pretty much her husband again and it's kind of like this person really isn't your husband and this person really wasn't his daughter but in their mind's eye they rather uh, uh live with a replica than to lose that person forever and I can definitely see people doing this in real life um, as far as like abusing uh, human gears to uh, their own need. What do you think about that? Oh, we already have like that problem a little bit. Like um, this um, just like random person has been shown like more deference in like their likeness rights than like Tupac, um, like for example, who's like already been a hot, like has already been like a hologram. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like a cultural thing, too, because you see um, that like you get situations um, not just in Japan, but like um, like very recently, for example, there was a like clip of somebody who put their GoPro on the track at like a like sushi restaurant that like had like a track going through it to record people. And then it became like a thing where they were being sued and there was like like some weird talk about like being barred from like coming back to the country because you're not supposed to show people without ex- express like permission their faces like that and they just posted it on twitter without thinking at all about this yeah that's that's really like a that's a serious thing that's invading someone's privacy um but uh yeah that's a very interesting uh thing that someone would go that far as to sue the guy for the gopro <laughs> but uh i don't think it's that serious but that is invading someone's privacy though there are like just some different feelings and laws and i think that we are maybe a flip with it sometimes over here um i this is this is not in japan but a couple years ago maybe two or three years ago i remember there was a story about um a woman who was working in a parliamentary like office in sweden and she got caught basically like taking like topless photos while at work and it was some kind of thing because i think maybe like in one of the topless photos like there was like like part of a bill in the background that people could read before it was ready. And it became like a whole like newsworthy thing. Oh, she didn't know what a bill was in the background. <laughs> That's but, crazy. Um, like where that comes in is that um, in um, like America, they uh, showed her face and they put like a sensor bar over her like breasts in Sweden. <laughs> they censored her face, but they showed her breasts. 
And what? It's just like, oh yeah. There's just a totally different thing there. And I think lots of places do care more about how you use somebody's like likeness or just like their image without like having that proper like respect. Yeah, like what's what's stopping someone from you know, uh, making their human gear look like a celebrity. And now they have a celebrity girlfriend living in their home. You know what I mean? Like, uh, another thing that's going to come up is the whole, it's starting to like pick up a lot more speed. Um, the face swap thing. I've seen like a couple of videos of like, um, Jack Nicholson when he was in a shining, but they put Jim Carrey's face on it. I don't know if you've seen that before. Oh yeah. Um, I've seen those. It was like a side by side. um, image of what he would look like in the shining. I saw another one that was like Will Smith in a Bruce Lee film. I'm like, this is getting out of control. And um, one of the things that people are starting to get uh, afraid of is like, this may end up using someone's face for like a porno, like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like putting a celebrity's face on a porn star. Yeah, it like looks like fake stuff. That's been like an issue already. That's like yeah. So that's another thing that's like starting to like blur the lines a little bit too. And uh, I mean, you briefly talked about it last week about, you know, filmmaking and uh, photography, like street photography. You know, I go out, take my camera. I see somebody in a cool position, nice composition. I take a photo. I post it online, I could possibly get in trouble for that. You know what I mean? You know what I, mean? I took a picture of somebody without even asking. Um, but there's so many things that's going on in America and in Japan at the same time, but we're handling, handling it two different ways. Mm-hmm. And like, um, like there are like right now, like in different places, like protests going on where there's like, hey, like we want to wear masks because we know about like, like what's going on with like some different technologies and all that. And you have things like um, not in like relation to protests, but you have people that are making special kind of makeup that can block the ability of like cameras to recognize your face. So there's definitely, it's a very interesting thing, just like creatively um, what's to stop people from saying, well, I always want Marlon Brando in my movie. The answer is like, that would be a terrible kind of floodgate to open to say, okay, now every new movie, like now, like Jimi Hendrix and he's in the Avengers or something, or like Kurt Cobain's here, like with Batman, Mm -hmm. like that would just be a weird thing to do. Yeah. Like bring back, yeah, bring back your favorite artists. Just like we talked, like you brought up Tupac, like who's next? Like you said, Kurt Cobain. Prince, I've seen some holograms of Prince. It's just like, you know, um, some of the families probably probably don't even have like a say about it. Cause I always see like the hologram comes out and it sees like such and such family is offended by it. I'm like, damn, they didn't even have to ask a family to bring back, you know, like a hologram of their family member. That's that's wild to me. And two, just um I think like the point that's like being made here with passion and creativity is if you say, okay my movie the perfect actor i need um jack nicholson when he was like 32 and i need him to do exactly this it's kind of like in my head that almost seems like applying like a really quick snapchat filter instead of like having a personality because mm-hmm. what makes a lot of great work is the compromises you make and the things that you weren't expecting so if you say i want jack nicholson at 32 to act exactly like this versus here's the actor I have, here's what they brought to it that's different from what I could think. I think that that would definitely be a case where like it wouldn't work creatively. 
Yeah, that's breaking the whole like third wall down or fourth wall down. But um, just really quick, uh, let's get back to the show. We see um, just this conversation of, oh, um, for um, Jin, he's trying to get the like progress keys from the writers. He got permission last time to go out. So then we get a scene of um, Jin, and he actually has some really good entrances. He's really great at entering a scene, just like in a cab with like a like human gear that he's hacked with an old monster they fought before. And they have this like little fight scene um, where he's able to steal the Falcon key from Aruto, which I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, like I kind of thought um, just from like some marketing material that, that was like his favorite form besides his main one. So I was like, oh, they're taking it from him. Yeah, we had a close call in the last episode when he almost lost his key, but he grabbed it in time. So when he actually had it stolen in this one, I was like, oh, what's about to happen? I was like glued to the TV to see um, if Jim was actually going to turn into a rider. And once he did, I was into the suit. What'd you think about the suit? That's a good suit. It's um, also asymmetric, like the ones from the um, from Ames, but it has much more texture. There's like some stitching. I'm not sure you call like the rays kind of like metal, like cross pattern, but it's looks all messed up. It looks strange. Yeah. I like the, uh, the visor, the visor is my favorite part. And I wasn't really a fan of the, like the, the neon pink, the first time, uh, Arudo transformed with that. But, uh, I feel like they toned down the pink hues a little bit. It didn't seem as bright this time. Yeah. Um, what do you think actually about like the whole like circumstance besides um, like him transforming the first time where he's told that you're my son, but I don't need to take care of you. You can take care of yourself. Like I'm not going to protect you. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty harsh. Um, but uh, I mean, if you want to be part of that, you know, that little society, um, I guess that's just how you want to you got to do it. But I do see a potential conflict between these two in the future because um, whenever Jen tried to save uh, Sine from turning into a Magir, he was like, no, no. I was like, okay, he's starting to, you know, wake up a little bit and realize what's right and wrong. And uh, during this episode, he was asking super, like a lot of questions about, you know, like a parent, son, uh, child. He's just trying to, you know, go through all the motions of how, why is he being treated this way? And not like being treated like Sine. Like he kind of wants love and he wants to like, you know, for uh, Hirobi to take care of him. Like, you know, like to, uh, Tawazawa was taking care of Sine and it's not happening. Um, and then Hirobi pretty much came down and said, get back to work. <laughs> and and uh, like almost me about it though too. He's like, oh, like it's not time for you to leave the nest yet. <laughs> yeah. He's like, get back to work. But uh, shit, Jen, Jen got some moves, man. He beat the hell out of Rudo. Yeah, I was waiting for this. Like, I was waiting for this. It didn't really happen with the Ames Riders where they're more anti-hero. And there's totally going to be a point where they do have a serious fight later, I'm sure, for some reason. But um, I was waiting because a big thing of Kamen Rider is when you have people who aren't on the same side. And like, there's lots of like infighting in comic book shows. So I just love seeing the first kind of like blood, but like the first curb stomp kind of fight going on. This yeah, this was a lot more like the hits were more brutal. Uh, this was probably the longest fight sequence of the uh, the show so far. Um, I loved how the characters got split up. You had Aruto versus Jin, and then you had uh, Fuwa and Yua versus this little frog thing <laughs> that was 
giving him some problems. Uh, and that frog but, design was great. Um, yeah, um, it was like creepy because it was a little more cartoony than we'd seen so far. Mm-hmm. The attack was cool, um, and uh, we forgot to mention Yula's new upgrade, Lightning um, Hornet. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because when she transformed, I was like, she looks like a freaking hive, and then I was like, oh yeah, her name is like Lightning Hornet. But uh, I think she has the the best upgrades of the show so far. Yeah, it's a really strong like. It just looks more regal it looks like it might even just kind of be more of a straight upgrade where a lot of the other forms are like here's like your side grade here's your power but slow form here's your whatever form this looks a little bit more like a here's your next step up and uh we forgot to mention she actually gets it from the mysterious figure we've been seeing yeah and how the hell does fua not you know know what this is going on i mean he plays spy this whole episode <laughs> and the person that he should have been paying attention to is right in front of his face. I mean, we talked about it in the previous episodes that she's the smartest person in the room at all times, but God damn, you're by her all the time. You don't think it's weird that she just comes up with these upgrades and you don't even know where they come from. Like, Oh man, Fu is so frustrating. <laughs> and we see stuff like she's like taking down like, um, on, like the like smaller, like Moggy or she like uses the um like shotgun without any real issue she like is like at this point at least probably the most competent of, of like the three like writers we've seen as far as um her like ability so it's um just like there's definitely more going on i do want to know whose employee she's in because i think we see uh her get told to take down like metsubu like jinra this episode and she's like okay just just do it <laughs> yeah um, another cool part in this, uh, this episode was the first, well, I'm not sure if it was the first, if I can't remember right, correctly, but the first combination attack, was this the first time they did that? Uh, probably. It didn't really land. Yeah, I thought it would be, like, more, like, effective, but it, can't, it seemed kind of sketchy, um, so that kind of makes sense that this probably was the first time that they did it. But yeah, um, it's showing some potential, or showing a potential what could possibly happen in in the next few episodes some uh combo attacks between these uh these writers and like too like i think um what really um drew me to like two common rider when like I, I got into it was it is like a live action like shonen it like is like a little bit more mature than something you might see like here but also it like will take the time to say we're gonna um focus in on having interesting stunts and interactions and like they've been doing really good with like we got to see some more of the um like bike this episode we got to see some form usage this was like a really cool episode for just like two or three new fighting styles even that we just saw first time yeah um as far as me being a newcomer like when i first you know hopped into the show um i think one of my biggest complaints was that the uh cgi looked kind of fake <laughs> it was like i was kind of like eh um and we talked about it's not up to the par with the uh you know, the Marvel movies or, mm-hmm. you know, all the other high quality CGI movies that are out. But as these episodes go on, this animation is starting to grow on me. I kind of appreciate the quirkiness and the the campiness of these animations. And I kind of hope they kind of uh, stay there. It probably helps that they're using less like direct CGI, like less showing this character's whole body in CGI, much more like the ground or this attack. Mm-hmm. And I can never tell, like, 
Um, they probably don't even use a green screen. It doesn't like look like they're like in a room with a green screen. It kind of looks like they animate over like the live action footage, <laughs> which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of just like I just like seeing how they do their fights on location, then make whatever else work. And it must be extra work to be like, oh no, the sky, there is a crowd a like cloud here. Um, so we have to spend an extra half an hour making this like sparks happen, but it still always looks like at least passable for like w- with everything else going on that you don't notice too bad. So um, here though, um, we just get past, but we had the, um, the admission that, um, that CN had been um, made as a copy of Sumer, who was the daughter. And that the whole point of this was to kind of have the, have her achieve what Sumer couldn't achieve that she died before it happened. I did like um, the way that they did her father's grief. Yeah, he was a really good actor. And uh, the best um, part <clears throat> that he acted his ass off with was kind of when they visited him at home and he was going through the motions like, oh no, like, you know, she didn't mean that. And she, uh, Sine kept calling her, uh, calling him father. He's like, no, call me sir. And she really couldn't compute that um, she had to call him sir. Um, and it took a while to get there, but his acting that whole time was pretty on point. And uh, she did she did pretty good as well. Yeah, she was great. She was a great in her role when she's having these weird memories of when she was a human, which question mark there. I thought it was very interesting when she was on the stage as well, when she was like about to give her speech and she blurted out father. <laughs> so I'm like, did he like kind of like program her with his daughter's memories as well? I thought that was pretty interesting too. Um, but uh, I also liked that he had a happy ending and kind of found a happy medium of having his daughter around uh, at the same time without breaking any laws. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, they used her voice file to make like an Alexa for her, basically, which yeah. is interesting. I think that still runs into some issues, but it's maybe better than like your AI like companion who I'm going to assume maybe like she was seeing like leftover videos of her and that's how she was getting these weird memories. Ah, that makes sense. Okay. And um, just like one fun thing is... um. When the like new keys get used for the riders, they have like their cool sayings like jump to the sky, turns to rider kick. When they're turning on or restarting the human gears, they have like a dream towards the future as their like catchphrase, which is interesting. But no, uh, just like at the end of this, we had um, some new forms. We had a new rider. I thought this was like the strongest little like chunk we've seen so far of the show. What do you think? Yeah, these last or. I would say these last two episodes, but this is pretty much one whole episode because of the continuation into episode six. But uh, yeah, I was all about these last two episodes. Um, episode five, we touched base on, you know, losing your passion and relying on human gears instead of, you know, uh, living a functional life. And then uh, and this one, uh, episode six, we went through uh, losing someone and trying to bring them back with human gears. So um, at the same time, we're seeing the positives of having human gears around and also seeing the negatives of having human gears around. So um, both of these conflicts between these last two episodes was very, very interesting. And um, uh, I'm looking forward to episode seven. Yeah, too, because um, we're kind of getting towards the like middle end of the like beginning arcs. So like pretty soon, for example, they're not going to be introducing that many new forms or like weapons. 
Like I wouldn't be surprised if by like by episode twelve, that's like two thirds of the total like new things we see for the series. But we might get some new writers, some stuff. So I'm interested to see like they're definitely doing a bang up like job of integrating what are their sales and their products into the show. So I want to see like also what what happens when they're like, oh, we kind of have ten episodes where we don't have any other like goals that are secondary to like push in there because they've just been doing like a really solid job of just establishing a and establishing just kind of this situation of here's this main issue and there's so many ways to have characters interact with it. Yeah, and uh, as these episodes go on and on, uh, we're starting to see like a lot more weight on these characters and a lot more personal issues. Like um, these last few episodes didn't even feel like this was a show meant for kids. This felt like very, very uh, adult content. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how this episode looks in the 20s and 30s um, as the season goes on. Yeah, totally. Because I um, there's just um, a really simple. They've it just feels like they've gone back to basics in a way as like a fan, where I don't have to worry too much about um, them doing service to very very like intricate like plot details or like existing parts of the franchise. This feels like just a very like lean show. Which not to say that every show in the past few years hasn't been lean. Just this like has that feeling of we know what we're doing. We're just going to do something a little simpler. Well, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, the comparison between episode one and this one, uh, like it was a lot more jokey at the beginning. There are some jokes here. Like we forgot to mention that he was like, it's lit. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty cool that uh, American slang is in japan that's something that we say a lot here that things are lit and uh the other one was like oh you know fool does his whole he doesn't think aruto's funny but he's like his joke's on fire <laughs> that was pretty funny too and uh we also forgot to, to bring up the return of the bike finally yeah it seems like every four every three or four episodes we see the bike but uh he wasn't on it for long though yeah it's hard um just to like be like um know how sometimes when you're a fan of something you kind of enjoy it in a different way you enjoy it with knowledge of what's going on versus just enjoying it mm-hmm. um so i found out at some point like i like was like oh they're like never using their bikes so i guess there's some law that you can't use modified like um modified motor vehicles on public roads so basically, oh. like they need to rent out roads and it's like, oh, I guess for street racing or whatever. But also oh. it sucks not to see the riders use their bikes more. Damn, that makes sense. There's some early shows that do some crazy stuff with it. Uh, there's um, one in particular that I'm thinking of a show where um, a rider's fighting like a really fast opponent. So he just like brings his bike up some stairs, but they're like far enough apart where they're each like little hops. Like he's like doing like some like BMX stuff. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I'd love to see that kind of thing. But it's like we're not riding a bike, but we're using it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But no, um, I think that this was a good chunk of episodes. I want to see more of Hirobi. I want to see more series figure, figure out what Hugh's deal is, or like um 
what's going on with Izu because she's an important character, but she hasn't done much yet. And just um, like going forward, what are your main questions? Uh, my main questions going forward, um, or the main things I'm looking forward to is this uh, relationship between Jin and Hirobi and seeing where that goes from here. Uh, it seemed like Jin kind of calmed down after Harobi uh, put him back in check. <laughs> it seemed like he like gave up asking questions, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come back again. Um, I'm also looking forward to what you was doing behind the scenes with this mysterious, mysterious figure. And uh, when we will finally see who he actually is. Um, I'm also interested in seeing uh, how uh, Aruto's employees uh, start, you know, trying to tell him what to do because another thing that came up in this episode is that he pretty much refused the client, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like they're trying to make money and he told him that, no, he doesn't deserve one. Uh, and I'm interested in seeing how the company starts to, uh, you know, regret having him in a chair. And as far as Fua, uh, <laughs> like I said before, I'm just waiting for him to finally figure out how to correctly use his progress key. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you, man? I do think that, um, the company pushback is something they've been hinting at, but I wouldn't be surprised if we reach a point where part of the conflict is not being able to become zero one because not being like you were ousted from the company, kind of like a more Iron Man thing. But I don't know. Um, I am interested to see um, how they deal with a, we didn't really mention uh, everyone knows who he is now. Like you have everybody, bro. Like, Hey, like Mr. President. And he never told her, and um, like Jim, knows, everybody knows. Everybody man. knows. So um, that one scene at the start of episode five, where he's just pointing like a gun at him, I was like, "Is he just gonna shoot?" And like he's gonna have to dodge? No. But I was like, <laughs> "You're just pointing a gun. You can shoot." Yeah, and he turns into a writer in public now. Like, there's no hiding his identity anymore. Uh, and just they got to that point pretty fast. I kind of like, you know, him being mysterious and all that stuff. They really played it up in episode two, which. Um, that whole scene of him like vanishing in the mists. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like that for a while, but they're like, nah, everybody knows who he is now. I do wonder when we're going to get to the human gear romance angle. Cause that'll be interesting to see how they do it. Cause they've been doing a very hmm. interesting job so far. I'm assuming we'll see somebody who like maybe their old wife, maybe they just like had a human gear as like a secretary and they fell in yeah. love. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but. Yeah, we've seen uh, a lot of dynamics like that so far, but we haven't seen the love angle yet. I think that's definitely going to be something. Hopefully they don't do it with the main cast. <laughs> I would yeah. feel great about like them turning what is a really cool friendship between Arto and like, Izu, for example, into something that's like a weird dynamic like that. Yeah, I would rather it be someone that gets turned into a Magir, like the, the uh, Magir of the Week type thing. But yeah, the main cast, hopefully um, there's no forced love angle because I don't feel any chemistry at all. Even though I do see her like, you know, starting to like take on his jokes like the R.O. That's R.O. folks. Like, you know, she started yeah. to like um, become Even more awake. Like she seems like she's starting yeah. to f- find her consciousness as well. And that's something that we didn't talk about during this episode is that she actually went out on her own to find out what passion is and look for terms about should this guy actually have a ma gear and or huma gear and uh she actually canceled the order her damn self so she's starting to come up her own too 
I do think we're going to see some more. Uh, my biggest wish or just um, like interesting thought is I think we're going to see more of the uh, line between human and Magir like change. Like if we end up in a weird like like, oh, like I'm part Magir situation or like a cyborg thing. Maybe that's in the main cast. Maybe that'll be in 20 episodes when there's like a new enemy writer or something. No, like overall, I um, have really where the series has gone, just kept it really simple and just like done a good job with the stunts and some like, and some very streamlined character stuff. And let's say some goodbyes. Yeah, man. Uh, if you guys want to follow me and, you know, insert the world of James Baker, you could find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at popcornet. Um, I'm also on YouTube too. I got some good content over there. I do a lot of reaction videos and a lot of review videos. Um, I usually focus on film, anime, and uh, K-pop at the moment, but I'm actually looking into doing a live reaction of when I watch Kamen Rider. So if you guys wanna check me out over there, give me the old subscribe or give me the old follow on one of the social uh, networks. Do you know what um, you might be focusing on next for like your own podcast, Pop Cult Net? Um, I kinda wanna get back into, you know, interviewing some, some more podcasters out there because that's what my podcast is always about it's like you know cross-promoting other podcasters and you know introduce introducing them to my listeners um but i also want to get back into to just doing some chill reviews like uh, i've been watching a lot of movies right now and i want to talk about them as always thanks to uh to berserk for our theme song common writer love song and to dave collie especially and you can follow me on twitter.com at james forge and you can follow the podcast common ride with me at twitter at common ride with me and you can also send us any emails at um podcast dot common ride me dot com all right thank you james all right see you later peace